And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our ongoing discussion on the topic of nutrition in schools. For the second half of my show, uh, and we are very fortunate to have a special guest and after my first half of the show, which was my first time doing a monologue, I am extraordinarily grateful to have <laughs> Susan A. Kessler, a program administrator for Western Suffolk Board of Cooperative Educational Services, what we call BOCES here in New York, um, Student Support Services Center. She has 20 years of health and physical education teaching experience and has worked with Long Island School Districts for the past 22 years in her current position. Ms. Kessler holds certification in health and physical education and a certificate in school district administration. Susan, welcome to the show. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing much better now. Thank you. You were alone, huh? I was alone for the first time. It was my first solo, which others can do and love it, but I I, I tend not to like to just babble on. Um, It was good information. It was definitely good information, but I just don't hear myself talk. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Susan, um, let's start with wellness policies because I know you work a lot with uh, school districts in helping develop uh, good policies. What is a local wellness policy? Okay. Well, let's just talk first of all that the reason that my office is involved in working with school districts in developing and establishing and sustaining their wellness policy is because we're funded by the New York State Department of Health, Division of Chronic Diseases, um, and their primary focus is on childhood obesity. Um, and this program, the Healthy Schools New York program, is addresses these issues. Um, and because our role is to partner with the school districts where kids are on a regular basis, um, it seems like it's a very good connection that we have. And um, this, the programs are now working in 137 school districts throughout the state. Um, there are 18 other people who are in the same role that I have, um, and that is their, con- their goal is to work with those school districts, particularly those that are eligible for free and reduced lunch mm-hmm. um, and meals, and to help them establish um, more or less standards for what can be done and what should be offered in school in terms of nutrition. Um, and that's really, really, really through the wellness policies. So okay. why a wellness policy? It's established through the, the Federal uh, Health and Hunger Free Schools Act, um, and the regs are really to help local districts, local educational agencies, agencies establish an environment that pro- promotes students' health and well-being and their ability to learn. Um, we know that all too often too many kids are coming to school too hungry. They don't mm. get breakfast at home. So, again, that's a piece of what this wellness policy will do. We'll establish a breakfast program, whether it's breakfast in the classroom or a grab-and-go breakfast, something so that kids are not hungry. If kids are hungry, they cannot learn. That is, you don't need research to figure that one out. When kids consistently go down to the nurse to get something to eat or their stomach hurts, it's because they haven't had a meal. Um, So that's one of the pieces. The local wellness policy is very simple. It promotes nutrition and proper nutrition, which I'll expand upon in a minute. Um, It uh, provides nutrition education because, again, not everybody knows what they're supposed to be eating um, or what is healthy, what is going to benefit them um, and make them feel better and stronger. Um, It also promotes 
physical activity, um, very much piggybacking on, you know, Ms. Obama's Let's Move program and everything else of, that, that's coming out of the federal, the feds in terms of that, re- that requirement, you know, physical activity is a critical component. We know the kids do not get enough physical activity. We know that the schools are not necessarily providing um, physical education on a regular basis, um, and kids tend to be you know, to sit in front of the couch or they sit on and play with the video games or whatever they're doing and on their computers and they're not getting that 60 minutes that they really need to burn off the calories. Um, and the other thing is to really promote um, school-based activities that um, enforce school wellness, that make kids feel really good about themselves by doing things that keep them physically fit. So that is the ultimate goal of the wellness policies. Um, but there are so many components that have now been established and revised and will go into effect as of July 1st of this year under the Healthy Hunger Free Schools Act. So now, um, now, now, Susan, with New York being so large as far as I think it's probably the fourth largest uh, school po- uh, student population uh, in the country, is 18 um, experts like yourself uh, working with schools even if they focus on schools that are have a, a certain amount, a certain percentage of free and reduced lunch, is eight, are, are eighteen people enough to cover no. all of those schools? No, it's you know what, it's never enough. I guess it's a good thing, um, but remember, yeah, we have seven hundred and some odd districts in New York State alone. Mm-hmm. Um, is this program being replicated in other states? Of course it is. Are we targeting? You know, remember we have some, we have five big city school systems, and but. In some ways, they are implementing a lot more than we can actually do here even on Long Island because we're all independent. We have independent mm. school districts, and each, each school district has their own policy, their own boards, their own committees, their own ways of doing things, their own, their own, their own, their own. You know, you can keep going on and on and on with that. Mm. Um, no, it's, it's, it's tough. It, this, is a tough this is a tough sell. Um, I would love to say, you know, that, that it's working in every school district. It's not. We know that it's not. Um, but what we can do is try to establish a policy that will work and that will be implemented across the board because, again, what's happening in school A should be happening in school B. Um, we know that doesn't always happen, so we need to find advocates. We need to find champions. We need to find teachers, administrators, superintendents, anybody who is interested in childhood and children's health and well-being to come on board for this. Um, now, now, is Healthy Schools New York... Funded by New York State, or is it funded by, or is it federal money that they're using through the health department? Yeah, it's yeah, it's CDC money that comes through the health department, the Division of Chronic Disease, and it was originally for tobacco, nutrition, and physical activity. Um, the tobacco prevention piece has been pushed to, you know, has it, it like evolved into just nutrition and physical activity. I have to say, yeah, I have to say over the. I guess last last half century, or, or if not longer, the United States probably leads the world in what we've accomplished with regards to uh, cigarette smoking and tobacco. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, is it, wherever I travel, I'm I, I'm first shocked, like, oh my God, so much cigarette smoke. But yeah. it just speaks to how far we've come. So right. I, even though we're getting off to a uh, a rocky start, it's it's a, it's a real struggle of being in the trenches trying to get people to uh, adhere to the wellness policy. Right. At least we started. I think there's hope if we just keep at it, 
Um, and as people start to have their own experiences, I shared at the first half of the show, some of my own health experiences and mm-hmm. the fact that modern medicine is why, um, my conditions have been addressed to the point where it's not even going to affect my lifespan or life quality right. at all. Right. And, right. and I, th- and I think as more people end up having whatever issues they're going to have, especially with regards to obesity, mm-hmm. that they're going to be more inclined to, to, change over and, and accept, you know, some of these things in their own life, whether they, they're following a school policy or not, just within their own life. Uh, in fact, yeah, I, I, know one- I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I, I mean, I, I think some of us who are so, um, I'm not, you know, it's a very interesting thing. In some cases, it's so personal, Jonathan, and you know as well as I do. I mean, what we believe and what we've, you know, grown up to believe or because of who who we are, the, the area we went into in education, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, unless you, if you weren't physically fit, you couldn't get on a field. You know, you couldn't mm-hmm. play ball. Um, that was my life. You know, I, I all the physical activity and the phys- that I love to do. If I wasn't in good shape or at a normal, at a good weight, decent weight and felt good about myself, I wasn't going to be able to do any of this stuff. I mean, yes, sure. Do I have other conditions? Yeah, we do. You know, I had my knees fixed, so now I have brand new knees, but still, you know, um, had nothing to do with my weight and had nothing to do with what I, my intake. But kids don't see it that way. And the perception is, at least if the kids are in school, we can take the, the the districts can take control in terms of what the kids are actually eating, so that they are getting real food. They're getting good, solid calories. They're getting water. They're not drinking, you know, all the carbonated and the sugars and the high sodiums and the high fat content. What happens outside of school? Some of it is so cultural that we're never going to change it. But again, that's part of what can be done on the school or the district level is to invite parents in and get parents actively involved in this process, which is really the ultimate goal of of a wellness policy, too. It's not just the school policy. It's getting parents and community members and faith-based and organizations and everybody to sit at the table so that we can actually make a difference, you know, in the school slash community, not just, you know, it's not when you walk out the door, you can do whatever you want, but Mm -hmm. let's figure out a way to do this so that it really does make sense. And sometimes people just, you know, they don't know what they don't know. Um, Exactly. um, (laughs) It's a crazy expression, but it's true. Um, And if we get to the point where our supermarkets are providing the opportunities um, for families to come in and learn, how to shop and what to shop for and what to look for. If we do a lot of work with our farms, we now, you know, on Long Island, we are, have this gift of, of such, you know, of the farms out on the East End and ways of providing fresh produce uh, to our kids in schools and have, you know, this whole farm to school um, initiative is getting bigger and bigger here on Long Island. Um, having kids grow the stuff, developing gardens, on the school site where you actually have teachers and or parents or community members involved with, you know, growing their own food. And then the food is used in the kitchen and used with um, their lunches or their breakfast. I mean, these are all things that some of our kids are not exposed to at all. Um, And it becomes our responsibility to help them. Now, what I've noticed is there are are pockets of, of, um, exemplars. So even though we have um, on paper a sound policy, um, I would say the majority of it is is being ignored more often than not. However, you get pockets of exemplars. For example, we have um, one of the elementary schools in my school district is right next to the high school. You know, right. literally right across the street. So they started uh, a a garden. You know, at the elementary school, 
And they came over to the high school and worked with the high school students and the high school technology department. And they built um, a garden, you know, including benches and everything right in the courtyard at the high school. Which uh, when I get next time we get a chance, I definitely want to show you because it's only a hop, skip, and jump away. Yeah. Yeah. And and so now you have, you know, elementary school students working with high school students, um, building a garden. They get to take the food home. And, you know, and, and, and so that's a pocket of something fantastic. Even though we know for the most part, you know, there are still parties going on that have, you know, um, unhealthy foods that are against wellness policies and what have you. Now, you work with um, several school districts. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the exemplars that you see in some districts and what are the what are the, some of the things that um, you wish other districts would see that they can add, they can, you know, use to get more people on board at their home district? Okay, I'm going to say first and foremost, I don't think this should be looked at as a negative. You know what I mean? It's, this is not a bad thing. It's not like the wellness police are going to come and slap your hands if you don't do it right. I think the first and foremost is to get buy-in. Um, one elementary school that I work with, do we want to name districts or we don't want to name districts? One of um, our local it, districts. In yeah, it's, our a na- districts. it's a national show, so I, most yeah, people wouldn't have anyway. any clue one what you're talking about. <laughs> the elementary school is absolutely sensational. Why? First of all, the director of the, the Assistant for Business is so into the farm-to-school thing. They are firm believers in this. The superintendent wrote a dissertation on this, on, mm. on healthy eating and nutrition. The principal of the school that I have worked with has spent so much time making sure that what is being produced in her kitchen for the kids to eat is just, first of all, nutritious, it's healthy, and the kids Love it. They do programs to support this. They talk about, you know, um, they brought in chefs to come in and show the kids what they, could, you know, how, what they can do to help their, to, to bring home to their parents and say this is what we could eat or whatever the chef is preparing. That's what the kids had for lunch that day. They're teaching kids about proteins and milk and dairy products and you know that kind of stuff. They are making an effort to get the kids active, Actually, physically Susan, active. It's wonderful. Excellent. Yeah, Susan, at this time, we need to take a a short break, uh, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Susan Kessler, regarding nutrition in schools. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Susan, I'm I'm sorry I uh, uh, cut you off just before the break, but you were sharing uh, some of the exemplars. You mentioned one district where the superintendent did her dissertation or his dissertation on um, nutrition and um, how engaged the key leaders in the district are. Um, do you have other exemplars like that, or what are some of the roadblocks uh, you find in, in, in getting people on board? Um, well, there are many exemplars, and, and I'm going to say also having local um, community agencies or, or businesses involved in the process, you know, getting involved with the kids and supporting the gardens, um, If you know, having a local um, no, big, big box stores, you know, our large stores, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever it is, even a local gardening store. If they can provide supplies to the district, 
that's a wonderful thing. We've had districts who have actually made these wonderful attempts to put gardens together and all of a sudden realize that they didn't have the water supply. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, oops, that was an error. Um, but they're trying to figure that one out. Um, I think you have certain pockets in different schools, you know, different levels. If kids are involved, if kids really believe in what's going on, they will, they, they'll self, they'll self, you know, patrol them, uh, what's going on in the classrooms or in the buildings. I think kids can be our best advocates, um, in supporting this. Um, when you talk about a mentoring program where the younger kids and the older kids are working together to build gardens, what a fabulous, fabulous thing to have that kind of program um, in the district. Um, we have a, another district that's right near where yours is. Is They're doing um, – the middle school is, is taking the lead in terms of a whole well, all their wellness projects and their wellness fairs and they um, – they're starting something with a double dutch uh, jump roping um, activity. They do they do wellness Wednesdays where they will make sure that, that they'll have programs in the morning. They'll have programs for the parents in the evening, whether it's walking programs or exercise programs or Zumba programs, and that's a, and, and then also always have some kind of cooking demo so that they know what's going on. You know, that's another way of bringing mm-hmm. people in. The best way to bring people in is to feed them. So, yeah, that, but if that is you feed true. Them, <laughs> Well, it's true. So if you can provide them, you know, with options um, that we will call healthy that fit into, you know, what's included in, in, the, in the, you know, the requirements uh, under the Healthy Hunger-Free Schools, then, then why not? You know, we're teaching people how to just change their diets so that they then could be healthy. I mean, because we know that in certain pop- populations, our, the obesity level is huge. But, you know, I will also tell you this, that I also work with very high-end districts. And their, other he- their eating issues are just as insane and just as crazy. You know, they may not be eating the high-fat, high-fatty foods, but we have people who are on chronic diets all the time, or the kids aren't eating, or, you know, th- there are issues across the board. So, um, you know, it- focusing on this policy makes a really, really big difference. Um, it impacts on what foods are being sold in school. It impacts on, you know, what fundraisers can be, you know, be held in school. Um, now, now this, Go ahead. Yeah, now these, now these wellness policies um, that are being required in districts, uh, is that a federal requirement mm-hmm. for districts, especially because they're receiving federal funding, um, yep. or is it a local, uh, like state requirement? It's federal and, well, in our state, in New York State, we're going to be monitoring them. They are going to, under the Child Nutrition Program and State Education Department, when they come down and they do whatever their assessment is on the food services departments in the, um, in each of our school districts, they will be looking at their wellness policies as well. They want to make sure that these are active, these are implemented, that they're being assessed, that there's accountability, that, um, they are being posted on websites school district websites um, so that parents have access, so that everybody has access to what's being done in the schools. Okay. Now, we know that uh, physical activity is is not only important for their, their, their physical health, but it's actually also important for their ability to acquire new knowledge. Yeah. And especially movement earlier in the day is going to positively impact their their uh, their learning throughout the day, their academics throughout the day. So um, even in 
uh, high-end districts or high, high uh, socioeconomic districts, um, sometimes uh, their issue is that the kids are not as active when they go home, for example. They might, you know, have every video terminal game, you know, access in the world. So they're, they're not as physically active, even though they may have better meals prepared for them. Without a doubt. I, I, I'm not, you know what, I, to me, it's, it's, whenever a district called me, I didn't say, what is your free and reduced lunch rate? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the target population that we're supposed to be, you know, we were told to work with. But reality is, there aren't high-need districts throughout New York State like we have pockets of them down here. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about our city systems. We talk about certain districts here on Long Island. Um, but we have way too many school districts here on Long Island um, mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a whole host of issues. Um, and whether it's a high-need or a high-end district, to me, if they're address, they want to address their policy and they want to try to improve the quality of food in the district and or the quality of um, physical activity or physical education, to me, that's the priority. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. the focus. That's the district you go to and you work with and you target. Some, some don't want to know. Some think they have everything that's perfect and they don't want to change, and that's okay. Eventually, they're going to have to change because everybody, every policy, policy is going to have to reflect the requirements in, in, under the um, Healthy Hunger Free Schools, you know, when we're talking about grains and sodium and water and, you know, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Every district is going to have to do that. Yeah. Now, now earlier in the show, I read an article that came out this week in BBC News magazine uh, titled, Will Today's Children Die Earlier Than Their Parents? Now, um, as practitioners in health and physical education, we used to have the mantra that, you know, uh, living healthy and exercising will help you live longer. Well, because of modern medicine, and this article points this out, that is not necessarily the, true anymore. The mm-hmm. fact is your quality of life will be better. Um, but your length of life may be exactly the same. And this is what this article is pointing out, that um, even those who are obese may live well over 50 because of modern medicine. Mm-hmm. But it also emphasizes the fact that their quality of life over 50 will be um, drastically reduced if they are obese and what have you. Um, OK, I've not seen the article, but do I agree with it? I look at what I, I look at people now and I see young women with children young children, and they can't move because they are too heavy. And mm. that is a huge, I see, it's not just, and I shouldn't single out just women, it's women and men. It is, it is so sad to me to think that people let themselves go to such an extreme that they can't, they can't keep up with their kids. I mean, mm. I, you know, I, I've, I've, had my kids. I had my grandchildren. I used to coach the soccer teams. I coached the everything. That's what I did. I ran up and down like a lunatic. However, mm-hmm. I see people who can't do that. They can barely get in the car to drive the kids to the next activity. Mm. You know, it's, that to me is so sad. That, that is ki- pathetic. And think about yeah. the quality of life they're going to have. I'm- yeah, and the, and the kids are going to more are more likely to model what they see. Oh, and um, you know, so but let's let's uh, address a couple more. Uh, questions. We only have about three or four minutes left. Um, what are smart snacks? Smart snacks is a whole new initiative that talks about what you can serve in school in terms of change. You know, um, ugh, going through. <laughs> I'm trying to give you exactly what it is. Um, it's talking about what can be sold in the vending machines or what they can serve as competitive foods in the school cafeterias, and it needs to meet those very specific standards of being a whole grain, 
rich food. It has to have ingredients. Um, the first ingredient has to be a fruit, a vegetable, or a dairy product, or a protein. It has to contain um, a certain amount of fruit and vegetables in it, um, and it has to meet the certain dietary requirements set by, you know, um, the dietary guidelines for Americans. So in other words, it's meeting those requirements. So you can't have, you can, you can serve water. We don't want kids drinking things certain, um, with drinking sweet and very sweetened beverages. We want to talk about drinking low, you know, low fat milk. We want, even though our milk may be flavored, they still want that. They still want that as an option instead of soda. Um, you know, to give fruit juices, 100% fruit and vegetable juices, 100% fruit, that kind of stuff. So it's really very much what they have to do in the kitchens you know, during the lunch and breakfast, is that's what needs to be served throughout the day. Yeah, and I also find, uh, uh, we've run out of time, but I also find it very effective to have taste testings and, and let the kids choose some of the healthy things that they would like present Absolutely. in their schools. Absolutely. Yeah, why, why not give kids what they want? You know, in some of our schools, they have special days where they bring in guest chefs. You know, mm-hmm. so kids particularly like certain Mexican foods, or they like Italian food, or they like or Asian food, you know, whatever it is. Give it to them. Let them exactly. have it. You're and they're more, it. more likely to use it when they have uh, a, a say in it. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Uh, we have been speaking with Susan Kessler, Program Administrator for Western Suffolk Board of Cooperative Educational Services Student Support Services Center. Susan, thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome, Jonathan. I'll talk to you. Great. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors. 